Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Why It Matters with Adrian Abraham and Lin Lee Fu. Lin, Singapore's 2023 budget has dominated news headlines this week. I mean, rightly so. Plenty of support measures, while there is a visible shift towards yes, taxing right. the wealthy, mm-hmm. particularly the wealth of the wealthiest members of Singapore society. So reports are saying as of 2020, the wealthiest 1% of Singaporeans were estimated to hold a 34% share of the national wealth. And that's actually among the highest wealth concentrations in any developed nation. In his budget speech, Minister Lawrence Wong continued his approach to wealth taxes, increasing buyer stamp duty for higher value properties and also further taxing luxury cars. Exactly. Similar moves were made just last year. I mean, when Mr. Wong rolled out higher income tax, property tax and vehicle tax at the top tiers. And we have on the line Sumit Agarwal, Professor of Finance, Real Estate and Economics at NUS Business School to tell us about how taxes on the wealthy announced that Singapore's 2023 budget will benefit the wider community. Good morning. Hello. Hello there. Very good morning to you. Welcome to our show, Prof. Good morning. How are you? Good, very good, thank you. So we'll get right into it. This Robin Hood approach, tax the rich to help the poor, the theme is not new, right? But there seems to be a shift in Singapore to actually now do that. Why do you think it's happening now? Yes, you're right. It's, it's not new. I mean, many countries have done that and they have also got burnt by doing this. Uh, the issue is that you have to pick the right part of the wealth to tax. What do I mean? You, mm-hmm. want, you don't want to tax mobile wealth of the rich. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to tax them too high because then they just get frustrated and they leave mm-hmm. and they are they threaten to leave. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you tax like the immobile part of their wealth, like housing or cars, because mm-hmm. they can't just take their car and move, take it to a different country. Mm-hmm. They can take their liquid wealth to a different country. And so the Singapore is taking that approach that let's tax their immobile wealth, housing, cars or income because income you can't move because, you know, you earn the income here and don't tax it too high. Prof, in terms of the taxes on the wealthy, right, tell us a little bit more about this and how it will help those, particularly in the lower income bracket. Okay. So we had done a study in the past where we actually looked at an increase on the tax on the wealthy. And the biggest concern has to be that if you tax the wealthy, they will cut down their spending. And essentially, by taxing the wealth, you're increasing the revenue. But if they cut down their consumption, you will reduce GDP. And so the tax will be kind of worthless because you're hurting the economy. But um, we know wealthy are inelastic. I mean, they don't care if you reduce their tax, by increase their tax a little bit. They will still eat out and still buy those expensive cars. And that's what we find. But then Singapore took all that money and gave it to the poor in Singapore. And actually the poor took that money and went out and spent. So we got both the benefits. We actually taxed the rich and they were inelastic. And then we gave the money to the poor and they spent it. So we got the GDP to go up and to increase the revenue of the government. So, yeah, increased personal income taxes for those earning more than $500,000 a year will raise an additional $170 million. And then new property taxes will net an extra $380 million. Car levies as well, $50 more million. What do you think of all this newly generated revenue or revenue that will be newly generated? I mean, it's needed. The issue is that the government's uh, 
government spending is around close to 20% of the GDP and it's going to grow in the future. But the taxes that are coming in, that could be property tax, income tax, and other sources, they are close to 18% of the GDP. So there's a gap of around 2%. Now, how do you finance that gap? I mean, you could finance this through the reserves, which is not appropriate because the reserves don't only belong to the current population, they belong to future populations. The best way is to find either to cut down spending or to increase revenue. And the government says, okay, let's try to increase the revenue a little bit through taxing the housing, the cars, the tobacco, and that gets them around $700 million. It's still not the $2 billion that they need extra. So they'll still have to find money. You know, in his budget speech, Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong also said that Singapore's best strategy to cope with inflation is to be more productive and competitive so that its workers can, of course, earn more and the increase in earnings can then make up for a higher price. I mean, what more can you tell us about this? Yeah, so another way to actually uh, make sure you can increase the revenue of the government if you don't want to tax is through by growing the economy. If the economy grows, then you get more tax revenue without raising the tax rate. So the government is also proposing that let's actually try to uh, make the economy more efficient, more productive. Mm. And that way we spend less to get more out of the economy or grow the economy more. And I think this is where they will push very hard in the next coming years, in the medium term, next 10 to 20 years. It's to make Singapore competitive and actually at the edge of uh, the competitive ladder uh, and above any other country in Asia or even Europe. Now, let's talk about the next generation. Plenty of benefits, including enhancements to the baby bonus scheme, doubling government paid paternity leave, more housing grants for first-timer families, as well as young married couples aged 40 years old and below. How does this budget offer them hope for what's ahead? I mean, again, they're looking, there are other structural issues in Singapore, and population growth is one of them and providing some support. So there are two vulnerable groups you can think about, the elderly and the poor. Those have to be protected. Mm. And a lot of the support is being going to the elderly and the poor. And Mm. the third support is going to young people by saying, look, uh, you need housing, you need to make babies uh, to actually make uh, Singapore self-sufficient in the long run. Otherwise, you have to import babies. (laughs) So that is the trade-off. Coming back to that with the... No, the the Singapore's riches being taxed more now, mm-hmm. and I think this is all expected to eventually raise a combined six hundred million dollars. Do you think that's enough to, like you say, help the elderly and the poor going forward? Uh, no. Uh, so I mean, actually, the uh, deputy prime minister I think acknowledged that that this is not going to be enough. And so they will have to find other ways. As I said, one of the best ways to do this is to grow the economy. Now, growing the economy cannot be done in in a day or in a year. And they have plans, which is making Singapore productive. They may want to raise taxes again by 1% on the rich or have some more wealth tax. I think that's perfectly fine because Singapore has among the lowest taxes. And as you pointed out, I mean, Singapore's wealth of the top 1% is 34%. So clearly taxing the rich is not bad. I mean, a little bit more. But growing the economy, I think, is the best way to actually fund all the expenses that the government has or projected expenses of 20% of the GDP going forward. I'd like to uh, pick your brain here. What are some of your key observations compared to the previous budgets, Prof? Yeah, so I think last three years, the government was focused on the pandemic and giving support 
to a wide spectrum of the country in terms of the pandemic. And there were key sectors like transportation, like airline mm -hmm. uh, and food industry. Uh, so there they had given a lot of money just to and making sure the employees don't get fired from their jobs. But this uh, um, budget, you see none of that. OK, now their focus has shifted away from the pandemic to inflation. Mm. Uh, and actually, inflation is biting the bottom 20 percent. Mm. And so they're trying to help the bottom 20 percent of the economy by giving them protection against inflation. Going forward, you know, inflation should come down, I mean, uh, by 2024. And I suspect and hope that uh, the government will cut down on the goodies to the population. And I think this, this is not a very good thing to keep giving, you know, these packages. Uh, I mean, uh, Singaporeans get a lot of money from the government. Just think of the HDB. You get around hundred dollars to $150,000 in a subsidy as soon as you buy an HDB. On this episode of Why It Matters, we've been finding out about how taxes on the wealthy announced at Singapore's 2023 budget will benefit the wider community with Sumit Agarwal, Professor of Finance, Real Estate and Economics at EdUS Business School. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Prof. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.